Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Marie. What are you up to later? Want to join me for happy hour? I'm all in. And guess what's amazing? Our listeners and friends of the podcast can also join us because Brave New Teaching Happy Hour has officially launched. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. We are officially hanging out a little bit longer after school with an extended extra private podcast feed just for you. Yes. Members of Happy Hour get extra 15 minutes of the podcast, give or take, because you know us, we run a little bit long. It's just kind of how we are. But if you would like to get in on this Happy Hour action, please join us. It is only $5 a month. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash happy hour and get yourself signed up because when you're there, Amanda, tell our friends what we do every month for our Happy Hour members. I think my favorite part is coming up with a new free resource for our listeners every month. And then we pretty much break down that resource and how to use it. We also like to have guests on to do extended episodes and even Q&A that's just for you about that resource. It's really exclusive and super private just for you. So if you are like us and you like hanging out, you like chit-chatting about all things that are teaching, teacher life, and everything under that umbrella, join us for happy hour and we will see you there. Bye. Bye. Before we dive into today's episode, we wanted to tell you guys about a little opportunity we have for you. We are running a little giveaway contest sort of a thing. We are going to be giving away one free 30-minute call a month with us, your hosts of Brave New Teaching. We want to talk to you guys about whatever it is that you want to talk about, whether it's curriculum, lesson design, what's going on in your classroom, classroom management. If you just want to pick our brains about an idea or an issue or something like that, we want to talk to you. So we are going to be giving away to one listener a month, every single month, a free call. 30 minutes, we get to chit chat one-on-one. It's going to be great. Amanda, will you please tell our friends how they can enter? It's so easy. I just need you guys to head over to the Apple Podcasts uh, app, leave us a review, take a quick screenshot, and then just share that screenshot on social media. If you could tag us at Brave New Teaching and use the hashtag Brave New Teaching, that would be super because then we can find it and then we know that you have entered. This is going to be so Great. I can't wait to just listen to the things that you guys want to talk about and go for it. Absolutely. So once again, just follow those quick steps, head to Apple podcasts, write your review, screenshot it, and then post it on social media. Make sure you tag us at Brave New Teaching and use the hashtag Brave New Teaching so that we can find you. And at the end of each month, we will be picking our winner. And then the contest will start all over again the next month. So thank you so much. We can't wait to chat with you. Let's get into the episode. 
Well, hello, and welcome back to Brave New Teaching. Today's episode is one of those really great conversations. I got to talk with Samantha Outwater, who is a high school English teacher in Michigan. She is in the third largest district in the state. She is in right now in our 2020-2021 school year. Isn't it glorious? Her eighth year of teaching, and we have a fantastic conversation. We talk about our teaching philosophies. We talk about teaching styles. We talk about what is important in her classroom and what she focuses on as like a pivotal piece of her curriculum. We even talk about how her major, her degree in zoology took her to becoming a high school English language arts teacher. It is a great conversation. And it's just one of those that like, if you want to grab yourself a cup of coffee, glass of wine, something like that, and just sit down, it just feels like you're talking with an old friend. It was absolutely lovely. And I cannot wait for you to hear what's going on in her classroom, how she's making things work during this pandemic, and what her classroom usually looks like, what she plans it to look like 12 months from now. We talked about a lot of different stuff. So I'm going to head right into that interview in just a moment and introduce you to the lovely Samantha. But before I do so, I want to invite all of you, our wonderful listeners, to join Amanda and I in a masterclass. We offered this masterclass this past summer, and it was so great. Like we got such an overwhelmingly good response from so many teachers that we said we got to offer it again. Here we go. It is a free masterclass called Down with the Reading Quiz, Formative Assessments for a New Generation. And we talk about the tips and tricks and strategies we have for making formative assessments really work for us and not just be something that's kind of like a check along the way through progress. So we are offering that masterclass again. It is completely free for educators. Uh, Make sure you register and get yourself a spot. We have limited openings and it is starting very, very soon. If you are listening to this in real time, head to bravenewteaching.com to find out how and where to register or just head down to the show notes. The link is there. And without any further ado, let's jump into today's interview. Here we go. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, a podcast for educators challenging the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a high school English teacher in Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm also a high school English teacher in Southern California. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by our free masterclass down with the reading quiz, formative assessments for a new generation. We want to invite you guys, our listeners, the brave new teaching community to join us for this 45 minute or so masterclass and Q and a session for free, where we can take a really hard look at formative assessments, how they are serving our classrooms, our curriculum and our students. And Amanda wants to tell you a little bit more about it. Listen, you guys, this masterclass is a must attend. If you are a brand new teacher and you're looking for ideas to create formative assessments for the curriculum that you've inherited, it's also a must attend if you're a veteran teacher and you're ready for ideas that are going to shake up what you've been doing forever with reading quizzes and other formative assessments. So new vet 
this is for you. It's also for you if you are the teacher right now working so hard to create more equity in your classroom and you're taking a hard look at your grade book and trying to figure out like, what am I really measuring here? Is this measuring progress or am I measuring behavior? This masterclass will help you sort that out. And of course, if you're just looking for some new creative ideas, this masterclass is for you too. We're going to take you through some of our favorite types of assessments, show you how they work, give you examples, and just get you ready to go for a fresh start in your head in terms of formative assessments and what they can do for your classroom. So if you head to www.curriculumrehab.com slash assessment dash masterclass, you can find the date and time that works best for you and for your schedule. We'll even give you a workbook that goes along with it. You grab yourself a cup of coffee, a glass of wine, a bourbon. I mean, really, it's up to you, whatever it is that floats your boat. Join us for this masterclass with a Q&A session afterwards. We can't wait to work with you once again. That website is curriculum rehab.com slash assessment dash masterclass, or just head to the show notes for this episode and you will find the link there. Thank you so much. Let's get back into the episode. Well, hello, Samantha. Thank you so much for joining me today on Brave New Teaching. And for those of you listening, Samantha is one of our very own curriculum rehab students. And I'm just so excited to talk to her today about teaching in general, about her teaching journey, about what's going on, because it's still fall. It's still fall 2020. As we record, it's still happening. Um, and yeah, we just want to chit chat about teaching and what it is and what it could be and what we like. And yeah. So welcome, welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to, to talk to other people right. <laughs> in real it life. Is, it is nice, right, to get out of your like virtual teaching bubble and just like, yeah. oh my gosh, other adults, we might not be in the same room. We might not even be in the same state, but hey, we can talk. <laughs> I know. Yes. yes. That's definitely something I crave is the like water cooler chit chat, even just like standing outside of my classroom door and like talking to my, you know, like teaching partner that's next door. And we just like chit chat a little bit between classes and that's just gone. It's the weirdest. I know. Like I can't just like, if I pop in somewhere, it's downstairs to see what my kids are doing to make sure they haven't ruined my house while I've been teaching. Well, okay. So speaking of kids, let's talk. Would you mind just introducing yourself? I know I kind of like jumped to the gun here a little bit. Introduce (laughs) yourself. Tell us a little bit about like where you are, like what you teach, where you teach and kind of how you got there. That was really vague, but I feel like. I got it. I feel like you're ready with this prompt. (laughs) I got it. Uh, Hi there. My name is Samantha Outwater. Um, I am a high school English teacher in Michigan in the third largest school district in the state. Um, I have two small children at home, a four-year-old and an almost one-year-old. Um, I went to college in Michigan and loved it, but it was not for teaching. I didn't want to be a teacher. I thought teachers were lame and stupid and I didn't want to do it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think that's more common than we realize. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I was always really good at English and I loved books, but I, and I love talking about books, but I thought teaching people about books was lame and I hated it. So I was going to be a zoologist. I have a degree <laughs> in zoology. I have a degree in zoology. We did the whole thing all four years. And then the universe was like, nah, nope, you're not going to be a zoologist because that's not your calling. I signed up for four internships and they all got canceled, denied, quarantined, revolutionized. So I couldn't go and do any of those things. 
And so I was like, oh, I have a degree and I don't know what to do with my life. Um, and my advisor was like, take some education courses, see what happens. And I did. And they were the only courses I ever four pointed in college. That's, and isn't that telling? Yeah. Right. You're like, all right, universe. Yeah. That, and that was my, I mean, I was, I was sobbing. And my boyfriend, who's now my husband at the time was like, just do it. Spend, spend a little more money and do it. And I did it and I didn't fall in love with it right away. I feel that makes, feel like that makes me a unique person in a way. Cause a lot of the teachers that I know are like, oh, I loved it right away. I didn't. I didn't think I was good at it, didn't like it, did my internship in Michigan. We do a, or in Michigan State University, we do a full year internship. So I was in a classroom for an entire year, student teaching. My mentor was amazing. Um, she was a 35 year veteran and she made me fall in love with teaching. Wow. Um, That's quite a I leap. I now that teach is, in the same. What a leap to take when you were like on the fence. And yeah. you're like, yeah, I'm going to commit a year of my life to this, to making a decision. Wow. Right? And of course I was 22 where all the rest of the people in my cohort were 20, uh, oh. which doesn't seem like that big of a difference, but in oh, college no. it kind of is. No, it right? totally I is. had a degree under my belt. Yeah. Um, and I now work in the same district that I did my student teaching in. That's so cool. Um, it is an urban district. We have 100% free and reduced lunch. Um, we had deal with a lot of trauma. Yeah. Um, so we have a lot of, a lot of obstacles to overcome all the time. And a lot of the time our teaching takes a back seat to like teaching content takes yeah. a back seat. Yeah. Cause there's only so much content you can get through if the kiddos are not receptive for whatever reason. Yeah. Right. We have, um, our attendance rates are about 90%. So about 10% of our students are severely at risk. Wow. In terms of attendance. Um, so it makes anything hard. Yeah. You know, you have students coming twice a week instead of five times a week. And now, but they have to, they still have to show growth at the end of the year somehow. Yeah. Even though I don't have a baseline for them because they weren't here to take the test. Because <laughs> you didn't meet them until two weeks in. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so transitioning to, uh, I teach completely virtually now. Yeah, that was going to um, be my next question. What does it look like now? Like, what is, yeah. here we are, um, the end of October 2020 as we record. What it's, so you're yeah. fully virtual. Okay. We're fully virtual. And that decision um, was made in July. We were the first school in our state to make that decision. However, we were the last state or last district to decide what that was going to look like. Uh, so I didn't find out what my virtual teaching was going to look like until we started, we were supposed to start school the week before Labor Day. We started instead the week after Labor Day because we still didn't have a plan oh, about boy. what virtual teaching was going to look like. Oh my God, that would have set my anxiety through the roof. <laughs> oh, you have no idea. I wasn't, I didn't know what courses I was teaching no. until August 15th. Oh, and I remember God. reaching out to Amanda and saying, how do I do this? When I don't know what I'm teaching. <laughs> and she was like, uh, let me think about that. And then I'm sure she had a very like spot on response because those oh, yeah, are the kinds was, of questions that I asked her. She yeah. was like, I hate when administrators do that to us. That's so unfair. However, take the class that you most like to teach and start there. And if you oh. don't end up teaching it, at least you have somewhere to start. Right. You've got almost like a nest egg built for yourself. Like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. to speak. Yeah. No, that's um, actually so really good advice. We're about to end our first marking period. Our first quarter uh -huh. ends next Friday, November 6th. Oh, same for me. 
And um, it's terrifying <laughs> because I, I don't, I, I, the relationships aren't being built with students in the same way. Right. Um, so I can't go and bother the students that aren't doing well because I feel like I don't know them well enough to bother them. And they can ghost you, right? Like they can just straight up ghost you because they don't have a bond. And so there's really no like emotional capital going on there. Yeah. Yeah. And then we found out we were supposed to go back live in person November 9th, but at our school board meeting last week, the only school board meeting I've ever attended virtually (laughs) was three hours long, which is why I never attend them. Um, it was made that we were going to be virtual until at least second semester, which is January 25th. Um, with the caveat that special populations, special in quotes, may be going back sooner. Like EL so think students with yep, yeah. ELs, yep, yeah. students with IEPs, yep. 504s, anybody whose parents can't get them to a learning lab or can't yep. monitor what they're doing. Like the um, highest but, of the high risk. Yeah. Yeah. But being the third largest school district in the state, it's going to take a lot of money yeah. for us to go back live. Yeah. We're experiencing the same sort of a thing in the turmoil aspect. We're a pretty big K-12 unified district. I'm in San Diego. And um, we're not San Diego Unified, we're not huge, huge, but we're, we're pretty big. We've got five high schools in our district and like 26 elementary schools and yeah. a certain number of middle schools that I have no idea how many middle schools I have. Yeah, people but, ask me elementary and I'm yeah, like, uh, 30? I don't know. I don't, some, a number. It's got a couple <laughs> digits in it. Yeah, and we, it's, it's the back and forth. We've had a lot of whiplash with decision, non-decisions mm-hmm. that are wish-washy, really left up to interpretation. And so it seems like you're saying your quarter ends next Friday. So does ours. Are we, we might go back. I don't know. I really don't know. And the fact that I don't know makes me implode with just like, Oh Oh, yeah. I, it's not as simple as it just being us too, because like, and I hate to harp on the fact that like you and I are people with little kids. Like it's different. It is a whole different layer on top of the difficulty of not knowing what you're doing as a classroom teacher. It's the not knowing what you're doing with your small school age children. Right. And then I have friends who are still dealing with life issues. Like her furnace decided to stop working and because of COVID, she can't get it fixed for two weeks or for two months. Oh my God. But she's got carbon monoxide in her house. Where is she supposed to stay for the next three weeks? And isn't it like super cold for you guys right now? (laughs) It's getting there. Yeah. 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 In Michigan, we're, we're, we're starting to dip, man. Yeah. A little bit. A little chilly. So like we're, she's got two young kids and her furnace doesn't work. So she's at a hotel trying to teach virtually. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. That was a dose of perspective that Marie needed. <laughs> and it's just, it's just one of those things that I, I, I've gone through lots of therapy to learn that I need to stop <laughs> worrying about the things that I can't change. Yeah, right. Same. But no matter how much I tell myself that mantra I need other people to start making decisions so I can make decisions that I can change and things that I can affect. And my students need to come out on top somehow too. Yeah. No, I get that. I, I, boy, do I get that. I was reflecting today on what are the things that I can control 
and let's put my focus there. Cause there's a whole, like, I would love to be plucky right now. And there's a whole lot that I just don't know, like where to center the pluckiness because it all keeps changing. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do I do with it? Exactly. Well then let's, I want to ask you some questions about your, let's call let's call it our real life classroom. Right. Because even though this year is very much real and actually happening and like virtual and all of that, it's still, it has to be temporary. So let's mm-hmm. talk about the more permanent. Like, what is it like in your classroom? What, um, what do students experience? What are sort of like the highest priorities in like curriculum rehab? We call those our pillars of our curriculum. What are the things that you like to focus on? How do you want students to feel? I just asked you so many questions. Nope, you're fine. <laughs> so you get going and then I have a feeling it's going to be interject. awesome, whatever we'll you come fine. up with. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... My two biggest focuses in my classroom are um, creating passionate readers and critical thinkers. Because my whole goal with teaching English, English language arts, is um, to create better humans. Yes, love it. And I know that's a giant, giant thing to say. And when I tell administrators that, um, they look at me like I've got stars in my eyes. Like I'm so idealistic that I could think I could make a human out of my class. (laughs) And I'm just like, no, you don't understand. (laughs) Reading is how we experience other cultures. Reading is how I teach empathy. Reading is how we learn compassion. And if I can teach those things through making my students passionate about reading, them becoming better humans just is a natural byproduct. You've rarely ever met someone who's a great reader and a terrible person. They exist, but they're rare. (laughs) I mean, they have to be out there, right? But I know what you mean. Well, yeah, it's that whole idea that literature is windows into the rest of the world, especially when, like you're talking about how you you teach in a district where your students have a lot to overcome. And so being able to see the world outside of themselves and outside of their immediate surroundings, I'm sure is... uh, extremely like, like what a gift, right? But you have to be able to get over that hump of like being willing to read to then actually doing the act to then actually enjoying the act of reading. There's there's, a lot of, there's a lot to unpack. Yeah. And then once we um, get them reading, I need them to start thinking about their reading. So once they tell me the plot of the story, that's great. I teach, I, I teach all grades, right? This year I'm teaching freshmen and juniors. So the freshmen can't quite critically think about reading yet. They can tell me the plot and I'm good with that. Yeah. (laughs) But my juniors need to start being able to tell me why it's important. Why did we read this book? What did you learn from reading this book? Yeah. And that's where I start getting into the, the um, empathy and the compassion and the understanding. Um, So creating passionate readers and critical thinkers is really what I focus on in my class. Students um, have come to expect that of my class. We, we write, of course we write, but they know that it's not a writing heavy class. Um, they know they're going to be reading a lot. Um, and I'm glad that I now have that reputation in my school because the it, first it few helps, years it was right? hard. Yeah, well, yeah. and it, it helps to just kind of like set aside, like everybody has their own teaching personality. Ooh, that's what I want to ask you about next. Like what's your teaching personality? <laughs> but like, and, and, and when students do kind of come in with an idea of what to expect, there's not that like, you don't feel like you have to be a salesperson, like selling right. them their education. They just know that like, this is the class that you are in and therefore this is what we're going to be doing and here's why. So yeah, will you tell me about your teaching personality? Like, how do you see yourself as a teacher? 
Um, so this is one of those things that I got from my amazing mentor when I was student teaching. And the first thing she ever said to me, because I heard the old adage of um, be a witch till Halloween. <laughs> Ah, And I told her that and she's like, that's terrible advice. I don't know who you heard that from, but don't do that. (laughs) And I was like, okay, what do I do instead? She's like, you kill them with kindness, which is also a cliche. Um, But that really is. I annoy so many students the first five or six weeks of school because I'm too excited and too in their business. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's like the best way to do it. Tell me about your life. Like, what are you doing this weekend? You're not doing nothing. Are you going to play Fortnite all weekend? Cool. I love Fortnite. Like, that's the kind of teacher I am for, like, the first six weeks. That's fantastic. Like, just a few days ago, I created an Among Us game that we all played for the last 10 minutes of class because I'm addicted to Among Us. Um, And my my freshmen are, too. So we played that game, and they loved it. And it was great. You're the coolest teacher. Okay, wait. I can't remember. Did you already say this? What year is this of teaching for you? This is my uh, seventh year in this district. It's my eighth year teaching. Okay. Okay. That is so Um, fun. And I also, I had a a teacher in high school um, who, now that I'm an adult, I look back and go, wow, it was only his third year. And it's phenomenal the things he was able to get us to do and the way he was able to get us to talk to him. He's a lot like that teacher in the Dead Poets Society. Um, (laughs) And that's who I wanted to be. Um, I wanted to be that my teacher from once I realized that teaching was where I was going. I wanted to be him. I wanted to be able to sit up in front of the class and create an environment where kids talk to each other instead of to me. So that is where I head every year. That's, and that's, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing to be able to recognize that too, because I think a lot of teachers, myself included, can get very caught in the cycle of, oh, I don't know what kids are going to say, so I'm just going to keep leading the, the conversation. Or like, oh, I don't think anybody's talking, but like, I'm not giving them a chance to talk either. Yeah. So I'm just going to keep talking and, oh gosh, we're out of time. Oh, why didn't anybody speak up? Like, <laughs> right? So, so I'm I think- not great at it. I don't know how he developed that in three years. Um, there are still moments where I sit in front of the class after giving a prompt and we sit there for seven minutes and no one says anything. You're like doodly doo. Yeah. And I'm like, I, was it a bad question? Like, do I need to rephrase the question? And those moments though, even those teeny tiny moments of reflection are so key. Like they are, they are solid gold nuggets within and right. listeners and everyone. Sorry, Samantha, my four-year-old has joined us. Because uh, she's homesick from school with a little cold. Can't go back until she has a negative test for COVID. Nice. <laughs> so Beautiful. we might have some weird sounds going on in the background. La, 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 la. Okay. All right. Sorry about that little interruption. You know, four-year-olds and their snacks. It is, it's an intense feeding that I think she goes through every day, all day long. Um, so I love that, like, you have such clear and concise focuses for your classroom. Is that something that you just kind of always have? Has it developed and really honed throughout um, the years? So I, it's always been a passion of mine, those, those two things. Um, but it really wasn't until I started reaching out into other teacher groups mm-hmm. for help in like, why is my class not becoming the type of class that I want it to be? And everyone was like, you're probably t- teaching too broad. And I was like, well, I have all these standards to get to. Right. You're like, I have to teach everything. Do you not know I'm an ELA teacher? We have to literally teach all the things. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, well, then you need to ignore the standards, (laughs) like the list of standards and come up with what you want to teach. And believe it or not, the standards will fit in 
to how you're teaching and what you're teaching. It's less about what and more about how. And once I like read that and heard that, I was like, oh my God. And the great thing about the ELA common core standards, which I teach is that they are so broad, which used Mm. to kill me. I used to hate it, but now I've embraced it because I can make almost anything I do any day fit a standard. When you see that it's skill-based and it's skill-focused and it's developing what you can do, not what you just know, right? Or what they can do and not just what they memorize. No, it's such a, it's such a freeing thing. No, I, I exact same sort of a experience. It's like, God, I feel like a crazy person. Like I'm trying to do this and 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 this. And none of it feels good. There's like a lot of breadth and no depth and it's just kind of like, (laughs) and so that I ever like focused on what I wanted to teach. Um, and the responses that I got from students were so much deeper than the response that I'd ever gotten before. And I was so excited that I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be teaching a love of reading and how to critically think about their reading. Well, because you figure out what you're good at and you figure yeah. out where your energy really shines and then you go, oh, this is how I can do this. Oh, now I get, yes, yes, totally. Those like aha moments. Well, yeah. I have to ask you then because it seems like you've got such a great focus that like I've been teaching double the amount of time of you almost. I'm in my 14th year right now and it took me way longer. Like I had the kind of same intuition of like, okay, I know what I'm good at and I know what I really love, but I feel like I have to do all of this. And it took me a long time to be able to hone in on like, this is what my focus will be and everything else will fall into place because I'm going to mindfully do it and, you know, and strategically make it all work. Um, what, What were you feeling like you needed? Like, what was the thing? I get basically what I'm asking is like, what brought you to brave new teaching? What brought you to curriculum rehab specifically the course that we're talking about? Um, like what kind of a need did you see that filling? So I, um, was mandated two years ago to start teaching from a textbook and any, exactly that response. (laughs) And you'll love this. Teach it with fidelity was what we were told. So thanks for handcuffing (laughs) everything I've ever done with my students and the way I want to teach. And murdering my joy. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, Especially since our textbook has no full length anything in it. It's excerpts from everything. Even Romeo and Juliet in the ninth grade textbook only has act one and two. Oh my God. Take away all the good stuff. Yeah, you need to get the death or like the wedding night. Come on. Nothing. (laughs) So... I was like, I need someone to tell me how to do this and still love my job. Because I've done it for two years and I hate it. And it's terrible. Right. There's got to be a way I can frame this so I don't hate every moment of teaching from this book. Right. Because you've worked too hard to get to the point where you are and then hate it now. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since I had novel units, I had creative novel units, I had book circle units, and I'm just like, I have to get rid of all of it. I can't do any of that right now. Yeah. I'm assuming, I'm hoping, desperately hoping that in the next few years I'll start being able to integrate some of that back in. Yeah. Right. When they get over this, when the instructional council gets over this hump of teach it with fidelity. Right. When the pendulum swings the other way and you're like, ah, yeah. oh, there we are. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and so, for one, I watched you on YouTube. And then I started listening to the podcast when you and Amanda came up with the podcast. And then you said, you talked about this course. And at first I looked at it and I was like, 
I spend too much money as a teacher to spend that much money on a course. I know. <laughs> so I'm not going to do it. I can't. And then this year happened. And I was like, I desperately need help. I need a community that knows what I'm going through. I, I need something. And I was like, if my school isn't going to spend money on me to make me better, I need to spend money on me to make me better. It's a hard, point, it's, that's a hard hump to get over for me to, as a teacher. Sitting there going, but, but at the same time, I have no problem buying borders for my uh, bulletin boards, getting class, you know, sets of pencils and blah, blah, blah. And then it all adds up. And then I sit there going, where did, what did I just do? Like that was and Marie, all that's what I did. Disposable. I looked yeah. back at my teachers pay teachers account, all the purchases I'd made over the past two years of teaching from this textbook. And I added it up and it was over $200. And you're like, what am I doing? And I've, I'm like, if I'm going to spend that on teachers pay teachers to use resources other people have come up with, let me spend less than that to make resources that I will love and be able to use that work for me specifically instead of having to buy it and then change it and then make it work. Yeah, that's the hardest thing that I've found with with using pre-made stuff is you go, oh, that's great. And it works so well in their classroom. Ah, I'm going to have to do yeah. a lot of work to make that work in my classroom. You know, it's sometimes they fit perfectly in things that can just like drag and drop like right in seamlessly to your curriculum. But you no, know, I have the same experience where I'm like, I kind of have to now do extra to make that fit and like to like tailor that. Yeah. So the great thing about my niche and knowing what my niche is, is that I was able to blast through module one, right? Like oh, here are setting, my pillars. Yeah. yeah setting this the is set. my personality. This is how I'm teaching. For our listeners, that's like the foundation. It, kind of, it goes into a lot of pedagogy. We go into the research and Amanda nerds out real hard, <laughs> but it's also one of the ones that like, you know, if you're a nerd like us, you, you really like yeah, it. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we got to the essential questions, which We've, or the big question, I don't know how, how you guys phrase it, but um, that was what I needed. I oh, needed the overall, a way to look at, yes, the yeah, overall I needed a way question. to look at the units in my textbook and say, what are all of these excerpts and stories? What are they trying to teach my students? And how mm -hmm. can I phrase it to them in a way that makes them want to read it to learn the answers to the questions? Mm -hmm. And once I was able to chop my book up like that, I, and I came up with great questions um, the community was great for coming up with questions. So that's really what, what I needed and why I gravitated toward the course. Um, and in completing the course, I had a year-long curriculum that fit with my textbook that I'm excited to teach and that every day, even though we're virtual and it's not great, I'm able to say, hey guys, remember this question? Let's read this thing and see what this person has to say about this question. And then talk about why that's important and how you agree or disagree with the person. So I've been able to take my book apart and I don't love it, but I, <laughs> I'm living with it. We're great roommates. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. You, you have no idea. You have no idea hearing that. It's, it's knowing that separately, Amanda and I, because we, I mean, we haven't really known each other that long. We're just we just kind of like fell in and like, wow, we're the same person. Um, yeah. and, and, and talking to each other 
just as friends about like, oh, and this is how I figured this out. Oh, well, this is how I figured that out. Oh, we're doing the same thing. And then hearing, you know, and like talking to other teachers like you, like we the same thing. Like I sat there looking at things that I was quote unquote mandated, but really just like, I I should be teaching the same thing that other people's are people's other teachers in my department are teaching. Like we should be aligned. How do I do that and still feel true to myself? And that's really where Mm -hmm. like this whole like all these strategies and this just like process of curriculum mapping came from was she and I had the same experience. Not quite as stringent as the book that you have to teach, but I'm good. I'm really glad that that will. And so you've seen then it basically like provides like an anchor. You you've been able to find yourself anchored because talk about an ever changing landscape in which we are teaching in the year 2020, right. 2021. <laughs> yeah. So like this first unit, um, the book, it was, uh, the unit in the book is called a matter of life and death. I changed it to say, is survival selfish? Ooh. Why? Um, so then we taught, I, I asked them that at the beginning and they were like, well, no, you should always want to survive. And I was like, okay, but like, I'm a mom. And if me surviving is going to hurt my kids, should I then not, should I, I survive? And they were like, well, wait, 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 wait that's different. I'm like, okay, that's the point. And there's, <laughs> like, no, let's, there's your critical thinking pillar. Things. Yes. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I was like, let's read these different things about different people who either survived or didn't and what they're going through. And through that, even though I, I don't like the fact that it's excerpts, I don't often like the things that are in the book. I'm able to still pull out the things that I want them to think about and the things that I want them to start debating with themselves about which is really what I want them to do, wanting them to critically think about things. Right. And that's when you start to get those, oh, Captain, my Captain moments, like Dead Poets Society, like we were talking about before, right? Like, you're like, there we are. We're finally hitting a critical mass here. That's awesome. Well, so, okay. I have a question. This is just a question I like to ask teachers in general. What is your favorite? I I used to be, it used to be the question, what's your favorite book to teach? What's your favorite text to teach? What is your favorite concept or unit that you have that you've taught even maybe this year or that you have like coming down the pike? Like what? Yeah. I used to teach, I used to teach a, um, a dystopian novel circle Oh my unit. God, that's what I'm teaching right now. It's so yeah. weird. <laughs> and it was my favorite. I always started the year off with it because it got students like really into stuff and they believed me when I said reading was great because I got them, I got, they got to read these awesome books, right? Yeah. And it was always uh, with the themes or the questions of um, survival, just like the one I'm doing now, right? And like, how do we overcome such odds that are so stacked against us um, that it seems hopeless, and I always loved talking to students who were reading books um, like Uglies or uh, Life As We Knew It, um, any of those books, because they, they were just like, the amount of empathy that I was able to teach in that one unit yeah. made up for the lack of empathy that they'd had for the past 14 years. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, and in, to your point creating your other pillow, creating like passionate readers. When they fall in love with a character, they will defend that character to the death. Yeah. And it's fictional. And you're like, right. oh, you little nerds. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's the best, isn't it? it is oh, I best. love it. Uh, well, what books are you, are, do you have any sort of novel circles or anything like that going on right now? Or is it, it's no, mostly in your my, excerpts? In my junior year class though, we read um, Half of the Yellow Sun as their summer reading project. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a great survival story. 
but that's not what we studied about it. <laughs> but it um, next we're reading Perfume by Peter Seuss King. He's German. I don't know how to say his name. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Um, it was made into a movie with like Alan Rickman and Dustin Hoffman. In oh, okay. 2007. It's crazy. And I'm reading it and annotating it now so I can tell what my students are going to have to go through. And I'm just like, oh my God, I can't believe I get to teach this book. I hope my students, the subtitle of the book is the story of a murderer. That's so cool. And he, it's a guy, it's about a guy who was born in 18th century France and he's got an amazing sense of smell and he wants to capture the smell off of people. And the only way he can figure out how to do it is to kill them. That's awesome. Your kids are going to go bananas. We hope so. Yeah. We really, we have to get them into it. Um, right now we're doing poetry with Emily Bronte and that's to discover like literary elements, uh-huh. right? Personification, metaphor, uh-huh. all of that. Um, but the symbolism in perfume so far, like my annotations, green is my symbolism color. It's the entire book is green. It's just colored. Well, uh, yeah, you just like color the whole thing. Green. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, what a great way too to prep them. If you're going into that, quite frankly, poetry for students is a lot, quote unquote, harder in a lot of ways. Cause it's so much more abstract than a novel. Um, right. but they will be so primed to yeah. like find the little Easter eggs I mean, within the, the way, the way we are introduced to the character is, um, they talk about that France had this 800-year-old dumping ground for their dead bodies, and he was born there. Oh. And I was like, giant, giant symbol here, folks. Like, he was born into death. Like, come on. (laughs) Yeah, look, talk about duality, right? Right. That is so cool. Well, okay, so speaking of things that we are excited about, where – what do you see for, like, the future of your classroom? I know you're seeing that you want to pull in more – sort of like longer texts and that sort of thing. So if we were having this conversation a year from now and we're having a little catch up and let's pretend that we're all back in the classroom and it's probably going to look a little different because we're not completely delusional. Like we're never going back to the exact same way it used to be. Um, But what does your classroom look like in 12 months or what does your curriculum map look like in 12 months? Um, So my curriculum map ideally would look... um, it would just, the only thing different than what it is right now, would it would have a lot of reflection in it and things that I need to tweak. I'm not going to say change because I honestly really like it. Okay. I like the way it is. If I could take out some of the book stuff, the textbook stuff and put novels in, I would love to change that up. Some but in terms of, <laughs> yeah, in terms of like the questions that I'm asking and the assignments and assessments that I have in there. I I like them. I worked really hard on them. I spent a lot of time on them. And um, I honestly would feel comfortable handing my curriculum to like a new teacher and having them have it as a guidebook. And that is the best marker as teachers to tell us like that we're, we're really doing something like we're on to something right when we're not, when we don't have that like little shade of embarrassment or like uh, unsuredness to share it with somebody else. But you're like, Oh no, this is like badass. Like I, yeah, Yeah. I've totally, I've got got it under control. um, a million committees this year. One of them was a standards-based grading committee. Our our school is going to standards-based grading. And um, I was like, they're like, well, how are you going to grade this? How are you going to assess this? I was like, oh, here, let me pull out this binder and all this stuff that I have on assessments and how your assessment doesn't work for standards-based grading, but mine does. And here you can use it. And like, I felt so prepared to be like to be on a, a curriculum council, right? To like talk about curriculum for the first time in my career. There's something that's, that's fantastic. There's something about being able to see the whole 
picture. You might not see every pixel, you know, but you can see, you can zoom out and see the whole thing. And it really does. It gives you that like confidence and kind of like breath of fresh air. And that's like the best. That makes me really happy. That's a lot of my teacher friends are struggling with planning. Because mm-hmm. grading online takes so much longer. I don't know if, that, if that's your experience, but it's taking oh my God. so much longer to grade It's stuff. literally all I do. It's all but I, don't I have do. Time, I don't have time to plan. Yeah. Thank God I did it this summer with yeah, the right? program because <laughs> I can just wake up in the morning and go, okay, what am I doing? Oh yeah, that's what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> I know. It does feel, I mean, I, I will say that this whole like virtual hybrid, will we, won't we, Ross and Rachel type of like teaching that I feel like I'm in is yeah. it's, it's, it's mind numbing because you're just like, huh, I can never quite catch up. Da, 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 da. But yeah. knowing where you want to go is mm-hmm. two thirds of the battle. And, and then yeah. being able, like you're saying to wake up in the morning, it's not ideal to wake up in the morning and have to go, what am I going to teach today? But no. to like, not say, what am I going to teach today? And why am I going to teach that? And blah, blah, blah. But to yeah. have like the other parts of it in line where you're like, okay, yep. how am I going to teach to this end point? Because that's yep. where and I want to go. It's made my administrators and my other teachers, my colleagues think that I have it all together, oh, which nice. I don't, but, but it's an amazing do. facade. <laughs> I mean, but then you kind of like peel it away and you're like, I guess I kind of do have it together, right? At least, at least the curriculum part. (laughs) Right. Well, that's all we can really hope for, right? Like I can only control the things that I can control. One of the things I can control, my essential questions and my curriculum map, like that's, that is something I have control over. Yes. I, well, speaking of control, I think that I'm about to lose control to my own small child who has been a trooper. Let me tell you, I took her, like I think I said earlier in our conversation for baby's first COVID test yesterday. She was such a trooper. I had to administer the test. (laughs) I had to do it. She helped me like count the swab around her nose. She's like, great. She was like, she really just was super tough. And we get in the car and I jab her in the eye with my thumb. And then she was (laughs) like, (laughs) nice. Job, we made it. We made it through the whole thing, and then mommy maimed you. All right, we're gonna have ice cream Sundays. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So do I think she, she's chomping at the bit. But I cannot tell you, Samantha, how grateful I am and how delightful this conversation has been. Like, what a nice lunch break. Yes, it's little convo. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for taking a chance on curriculum rehab and yeah. for being a part of the brave new teaching community. Where, if some of our um listeners wanted to get in touch with you what is your instagram handle and i can link that in our show notes that is very a very good question um (laughs) i guess i should have prepared you for that huh well i just have a feeling it's such a great place social media is a scary place for a lot of people but it's an amazing place for educators to connect it's at samantha o but my name is spelled with a y okay i will put that in our show notes And you guys, if you want to ask Samantha questions, I can't guarantee that she's going to have all the time in the world because she has babies smaller than even my babies, (laughs) but she's a wealth of knowledge and has some amazing ideas and has a really cute virtual classroom background behind her. I know you all can't see it, it, but there's like twinkling lights. There's a skull in the background that I keep (laughs) getting distracted by because I'm like, oh my gosh, I want that skull. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. there he is. But thank you so, so much for joining us today. And yeah, I can't wait to catch up. We're going to have to do this again. Maybe we'll yes, do the 12, 12 months check-in and see how everybody's doing. All right. Sounds good. Right, thank you. Thank you. 
There you have it, everybody. And didn't I tell you before at the beginning of this episode that that was like, it was going to be like sitting down and having just a cup of coffee with an old friend and just talking shop, right? Like just talking, here's what goes on in our classrooms. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation as much as we enjoyed having it. It was just really refreshing to be able to talk to somebody outside of my little bubble and be able to just, you know, bounce ideas off each other and hear how another teacher got to where she is in her career. Um, It's also absolutely delighting to hear that curriculum rehab and the strategies that Amanda and I have put into place and the process that we teach through that course have really helped and have helped other teachers and therefore helped their students. And in fact, I wanted to let you guys know that the doors to curriculum rehab are going to be open very, very soon. And I want to make sure that if it's something that you're even mildly sort of half considering get some more information about it, head to the show notes, head to bravenewteaching.com and click on curriculum rehab and we can get you all the information you need and even get you registered if you want to join us on this little curriculum mapping journey. And with that, I'm going to bid you adieu. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next